I don't want to burn up too much time. I want to get into the Word of God. So um, let's do a prayer and we'll start. You guys open your Bibles and get your notepads out. And uh, that's also house rule. We all have Bibles and notepads. Same day one, okay? We all here to learn, to receive, to, to get something from God. And what you don't put in your notebook, you actually get it, but only for a short period of time and then it's gone. You actually won't remember it by next Friday. What did they preach last Friday? Where's your notebook? You open it up, you find it. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Okay, if you don't have that, you're, you're a blank slate, all right? God, we thank you so much for this family. We thank you that we get to partake in your family, God, that this is your, your church, God, that you've established us tonight, that you've given us life, you've given us structure, you've given us authority, you've given us so many things, God. You, you are giving me the opportunity to share uh, what you put in my heart, God, and I just ask you, God, that you would anoint it and that it would do what you are calling it to do, God, that it would be effective and that it would challenge us tonight to, to, to run for you, to love you, to trust you, to, 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 to be in your will, to, to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, first place we're going to open up is uh, Luke chapter 21. Sorry, 22 verses. My bad, sorry. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. That's right, we keep you on your toes. I don't hear enough Bible flipping. I'm going to thrash you around a little bit. I want to hear some more Bible flipping. No. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13 says this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Uh, I was thinking about how to title this message, and I, I want to say the title of the message is God is a good gardener, right? God knows what he's doing. He, is, he knows where to apply pressure, how much pressure. He knows how to, how to he, he can get you to do anything he wants. He, I mean, uh, we have examples in the Bible where, yes, God is all about free will. He's giving you a free will to, to choose which way you want to go, to, to choose what you want to do with your thoughts, with your life. But at the same time, he is still in authority and he can still take your free will away. We have examples of Nebuchadnezzar, right, who, who stood on the porch and uh, here he is. Daniel's told him many times, stay humble, stay humble. The, God is the reason why you're, you have this position. God is the reason why you breathe and stand. Yet he stands on the porch and says, look at my kingdom. Look at what I've created. And the instant that thought comes through his head, he becomes an animal for seven years until he's humbled. Right? There's no free will there. He did not get to choose to be an animal. Uh, he, he, I bet you in those seven years he was thinking, God, when do I get my free will back? Like, when, when do I become normal again, right? And that's our God. He is a great gardener. That's, you know, I looked up uh, Bible scriptures about gardening and about uh, God being a gardener. There's 30 plus scriptures 
Starts in the garden, right? He placed Adam and said, hey, tend the garden, right? That's what he wants us to do. He's, he's teaching us to be gardeners as well. But God is a good gardener. Today, actually, Alex started with, man, there's lawn, lawns to be. I'm like, man, he's just right on cue, Alex. Ooh, I feel it. Because uh, this week I had to uh, potentially mow the, the lawn uh, for the first time since we moved into a house with, with a lawn. And I, uh, I uh, delegated it to Mark, or my best buddy next door. <laughs> But uh, I was actually looking forward to it, but I'm running out of time because I'm so so busy and we're trying to spruce up our property so we can have guests and stuff like that. And there's just so much to be done. And he has this awesome riding tractor lawnmower thing that I'm really jealous. Not, it looks fun. I never had one, but uh, he looks pretty cool when he rides that thing. And uh, <laughs> and uh, he, did, he did an okay job. I wouldn't say it was a 100%, but uh, room, he's, he's learning to be a good driver. This is a challenging course because there's a lot of trees to dart and stuff. And, and, uh, but beside the point, God is a good gardener. Uh, in that whole process, there's one thing that he wants from us. That's humility. It says that who God loves, he chastises. He will prune. He will, uh, he will spank. He will, he will squeeze. He will tighten up. He will pressure. He will... He will, he will speak in that way to you. You know, why am I failing this course, God? Well, what happened to your dedication? What happened to your commitment? What happened to your, I'm going to read the Bible plan every day before I head out to school. Why am I, you know, why did I get in this accident? Why did I, you know, why did I lose this business deal? Why, why didn't I get to this college? Why didn't, you know, why, why am I here where I am? And in every situation, everything, God is in control. God has never fully given you control over your life. Yes, He's given you free will. He's given you the opportunity to choose where you take. And that branches off in a whole thing of uh, decisions. And sp- he, He's given you that. He's trusted you that. But at the same time, He's given you the truth. And He wants you to stick to it. And He wants you to make it to heaven. So He will adjust. He will put pressure. He will put manure in your life. <laughs> so you will grow and be fruitful and multiply. He will remind you again and again the truth. He will haunt you when you go into the world. He will knock and knock and knock and not give up. Yet, we read the first part of the Corinthians. I'm going to read it with you. Chapter 10, while we're here, it says this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses, into the cloud, and into the sea. That means all the Israelites saw the signs and wonders. They, they saw the cloud during the day and the fire during the night. They all went through the sea. They all saw the miracles. They saw the manna. They saw their clothes not wear out. But it says this, All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that flowed and that rock was Christ. But in most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Remember, only two made it out of the wilderness. Now these things became our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idol, idolaters as were some of them. And it is, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drank and rose and they had everything they wanted. This is my own interpretation. And then they wanted to play, Right? They're satisfied, they're fat, they have everything in a row, and all of a sudden, sin comes into their life. Now, let us commit, not, 
nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them did, tempt, uh, tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. And now it says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our adoration upon whom the ends of the age have come. And then those two verses that we started off with saying, Hey, if you think you're standing, beware. That's pride. And when pride hits your heart, comes a fall. Back to humility. God will never, will ever let you have full control. He'll never give you a license to do whatever you want to do. God is saying, hey, the, the purpose of this life is to learn. Hey, I, I'm a gardener. I'm gardening. I'm tending. I, I'm, I'm adjusting you. You are a gardener too. You are supposed to be an influence on the culture, on your environment. You're supposed to stop people and say, hey, that, what are you doing? Why are you destroying our society? Why are you, why are you acting this way? Who cares what Hollywood says? Who cares what, what, what the, 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 the movies are doing? Who cares what, what everybody in school is doing? This is what is right, right? Uh, and it says, it says, I want to say this. In this process, most of us get frustrated. In this process where God is gardening and tending our lives, it's not always an easy process. It's not always a fun process. But God promises something huge. He says, you will never be put to the point where you go crazy. You'll never be put to the point where you'll break in your faith. You'll never be put to the point where there's no way out. There's always a way out. We have the Holy Spirit. We can start praying. We can start tapping into God. We can say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I need you. Right? You can pray, God, show me an exit. This is too much for me. I can't handle this. Please. And God will respond. God, God loves you. God has a great balance between trials and, and the grace to overcome them. And that's what I wanted to look into a couple examples of this grace. This grace that we actually get to see glimpses of all throughout the Bible. And even in the Old Testament where it seemed like grace couldn't have existed... I, uh, I got schooled this week by Emin in Bible class. He goes, hey, remember this story where uh, one of the prophets uh, uh, is being hunted, and then uh, the whole Syrian army comes to get him, and then he prays that they go blind, and then he leads them to a city, and they're about to kill them all. He tells them not to kill them, and he says, give them grace, feed them all, throw a big party for them, and then their eyes, you know, their eyes will be open. And I'm like, what is he talking about? I don't remember this story. I read the Bible eight times, dude. I, 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 I don't remember this story. You're, dude, this is grace in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying this, man. Give me the scriptures. So he, at lunch break, he gave me the scriptures. And I'm like, how did I blow by this story, man? How? how what? Like, what? This is an awesome story. I, I can't believe this story exists. And it's... It's in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. And I wanted to, uh, I wanted to read the last part of the story because I just told you the story. But uh, uh, it says, 23, verse 23. Then he prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate, and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the band of Syrian raiders came no more into the lands of Israel. 
That's a huge statement. Later, the, the Syrians attack again, but I don't know if it's different bands or what, but those guys didn't attack again. Those guys that were commanded by the king, the king was mad. The king was mad because all of his plans were thwarted by Elijah because Elijah had a connection with God, and Elijah would tell the, uh, the kings of Israel, and, uh, he would, and he would tell them, hey, the Syrian king has set a trap here. Don't fight him here. And they wouldn't fight. And the Syrian king is like, man, how did, how did all my... How did all my plans get forded, right? And so he, he, hi, he, he tells all his Syrians, hey, uh, one of us is betraying us. And they said, actually, it's none of us. It's this one guy named Elijah who's connected to God really tight. And God's telling him all the secrets. He tells him everything that you speak in your bedroom. He's like, what? Okay, we need to kill that guy. So he takes a whole army and finds out where Elijah is to go kill him. And as they surround this thing, Elijah prays that God would blind them. Then he comes out to them and tells them, that you got the wrong city, you got the wrong guy. Here, I'll show you where the guy you're looking for is. And he takes him into Samaria, into the Jewish brothers, right? I mean, not Judah, but Samaria. And there he opens their eyes. He asks God to open their eyes. God opens their eyes. They realize that they are surrounded by their enemy and that the enemy comes and says, wow, Elijah, this is awesome. We have the whole army in our midst. We're going to kill them. We're going to have like a, you know, a bloodbath right now. And Elijah tells him, no. He says, you guys didn't take him here by sword, and you guys haven't conquered them. God did. He says, you're not touching any of them. Actually, throw them a party. And they killed a bunch of animals, and, and, and they threw them a feast, it says. And from this, they let them go back to their hometown. And they never came back to fight Israel again. I don't know, that's a huge act of grace that I got to see in the Old Testament that I was like, man, and because of that, there, something that shifted in their heart, something that changed about them. They, they didn't have that, that malice and that hatred towards Israel. You know, in, in this whole book, what I, what I see is God is trying to bring peace to the land. And there's different ways. Sometimes God is saying, hey, I can't stand this people group. And he tells Israel to exterminate men, women, children, Right? For a purpose, for a reason. Sometimes God is saying, hey, uh, uh, Egypt is my daughter. Babylon is my daughter. Like, man, wait wait a minute. These are the enemies. These are the bad guys. This is the world. What are you talking about? God is saying, hey, I created all mankind. I want all mankind to know my name, right? That's his purpose. So even in the Old Testament, sometimes he conquered armies like this. Sometimes he conquered people like this. Sometimes he, he, he brought into what he called out into fruition. He, he, he testified through Daniel all the kingdoms to come. And he said, hey, this king will rise, and this kingdom will rise, and this kingdom will rise, and it will fall, and this kingdom will come after, right? God knows everything. And, and in this story, he gives them grace, and grace changes them. And I want to say this, grace changes me. I think the most thing that changes me is, is God's grace. Is when I know, man, I, 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 God, I, I did this. This is wrong. I accept the full punishment. And God goes, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you grace to overcome this. I'm going to give you grace to, to, to forgive yourself. I'm going to give you grace to, to get back up. I'm going to give you grace so that you don't fall again. Grace is one of the biggest things that, we, uh, that, that motivates us. You know, it's one thing, you, you get spanked, you learn, okay, great, I don't want to get spanked again. But when grace hits your heart, when grace hits your mind, when, when you understand what grace is, when you understand the, the picture of Jesus Christ on the cross being butchered for you, that's what changes you. 
That's what changes your heart. That's what changes your stance. That's what, cha- that's what gives you the desire to, to love God. That's what gives you the desire to, to love His Scripture. That's what really changes. That's what really affects you. I remember when I was you know, uh, 12, 13 years old, we would watch... Uh, you know, uh, the Jesus movie or Passion of the Christ or all those movies. And I remember just bawling my eyes out, not even knowing why. Because somewhere in that process, I'm understanding the grace of God, understanding that, man, this is a real thing. This is actually happening. In the spiritual realm, something's breaking over me. Understanding, like, man, this, I want to live for God. Nobody's preaching at me. I'm just watching, watching scenes on the screen, right? I, uh, I want to... Uh, get into Luke and then I'm going to actually wrap it up. Luke chapter 22, 28 and 32. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed upon me that you may eat and drink in my, at my table in my kingdom and sit on my thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. As the Lord said, Simeon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus sees Simeon's fall before he falls. I believe Jesus can see everybody's heart. That's what the Word of God says. God knows the desires, He knows your plans, He knows your intents. And at the same time, I see the amount of faith. God has the ability to see the amount of faith and the amount of ability you have to go through something. He can say, hey, Tim, tomorrow you're going to be faced against something that you're not ready to face against. So brace yourself. Get strong. Pick up your weapons. And if you ignore that, if you, if you kind of brush that off, or you'll fall. In this scripture, he's... You know, Simeon goes, Are you kidding me, Lord? I'm ready to go to death with you. I'm ready to, let's do this. We're going to pray all night long. And then an hour later, he's fast asleep. Right? I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read the Bible in 90 days. Let's do this. Come on, Dennis. Let's, let's go. Right? And then you, you, you can't even read, a, you know, the Bible in a year. And it takes character. It takes time. It takes agony. It takes a process. It, you have to grow. You have, to, you have to invest, you have to shift, you have to die to stuff. You have to, it's, it's a process. Your faith is developed. It takes time to, 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 to break certain sins. It takes time to, to, to trust God fully in certain things. But yet in the scripture, God is promising us again. He's saying in, in 28, Those who have continued with me in trials, I bestow upon you kingdoms, just as my father bestowed upon me. We had a discussion in, uh, in group. It, God, it's not hard for God to bless you. It's not hard for God to make you extremely healthy or extremely rich or uh, extreme, you know, happy marriage or, or a house. Or, or It's not hard. God has, he owns the, the mountains. He owns the gold that's in the mountains. He owns the economies. People still think, you know, the Illuminati controls the economies and the banking system controls the economies. To a degree, the devil does. But God controls the devil. God controls what he can touch, what he can't touch. God, God, can, God can give you such a crazy idea and you're like, this is just 
crazy, but I'm going to do it, and, 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 and it'll provide for you and your mis- ministry and, and whatever. That's not hard for God. But what's hard for God is to see character development in us. God wants to see that. God is doing everything He can to develop character in you. That you would actually read the Bible plan. That you would actually come to church and you'd actually be a gardener amongst your, your, your field. God is done doing everything to get you to wake up, to understand your position, understand who you are. The blessing is there. The blessing is not hard. The blessing, the blessing will fall. I'll tell you this. When I got married, my pay increase went up. When I had my first child, Avi, my pay increase doubled. When I had Zeke, it doubled again. And I, I, not doubled, but expanded, sorry. It, I started with $20,000 when I was single, uh, trying to uh, make it in the church, trying to figure out you know, what, God is, what God wants from me, right? Now I can comfortably feed a family and go on mission trips and do things that are beyond me. Why? Because God has provided God has blessed me with that. And I know it's directly from God. I know it's an open door from God. I know that nobody can shut it. And, it, and if God's blessed you, it's yours. It's amazing. That wasn't hard. I look at it, it took a lot of time and character. It took a process for that to happen. But, but it happened. God told me, He promised me the night when he, when he spoke to me. He says, Andre, I will show you that I am a faithful God. It's not hard for Him to take care of you. It's not hard for Him to feed you. I, he, when I got married, God told me, Andre, if you get married and you go to your martyr's death in a different country, I will take care of your family because I'm in control. So don't be afraid to get married. God told me again, relax, buddy. Buddy, it's all in my hands, right? And here he's saying, look, if you go through the trials with me, if you go with me, I will bestow on you kingdoms, just as my Father bestowed upon me. He's telling that to his disciples, saying, I'm going to give you kingdoms, right? And later we have a lot of different uh, parables where God is saying, hey, I've given you talents, and if you invest them, I'm going to give you more talents. And, and honestly, in, 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 you know, I, I come to the conclusion that in, in heaven, we're, we're going to have responsibilities. We're going to have things to do. Not only are we going to be blown every single day about how amazing God is and how vast and how, how little we know about Him still for eternity, I think we're going to have tasks. I mean, what's the purpose of having 10 cities? You have to maintain them. I mean, the real, I realize this. The bigger your house, the bigger your yard, the more work you have to do to maintain it, right? And I, I drove by a, a nice college today, uh, uh, Seattle University Christian College. It's got a really nice campus. It's springtime. It's so beautiful. I drove by. I was like, man, this looks like heaven. I want to go hang out there. But I realized, man, there's, when you grow up, you realize there's so much work. To maintain trees, yard work, rockeries, who's ever done any, you know, weed pulling. I mean, hours and hours and hours of, of maintenance and, and process just to make something like a, a mini heaven, right? But that's what we've got to get to. That's, that's our part. That's our lot. We've got to roll up our sleeves. We've got to get into it. And then we want to jump back at a chapter, Luke 21. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh, Luke 22, that process where, where Jesus is telling uh, Simeon, he's saying, look, you're going to deny me, but get back up. But get back up. He's already giving him the grace. He's saying, look, you're not ready for this trial. 
I have to, the, the time has come for me to go through this. And none of you guys are ready. None of you guys get it. None of you guys know what's happening. None of you guys understand. When he asked the disciples to pray, none of them were able to pray with him. All of them betrayed him. All of them left. But he said, hey, look, I know. I know your, your flaws. I know you're, 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 not, you're not able. And in this inability comes humility. And in that humility, I will make you able. I, I, will, I will walk with you. I will, I will run with you. I will make you do the impossible, the invincible. The, I will help you uh, attain uh, the, the crown. I will, I will run with you. I will help you. But stay humble. <coughs> now we'll go to Luke 21, uh, 12 and 19. 12 through 19. Luke 21, 12 through 19. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings, rulers, for my name's sake. But if, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to conduct or, resi- or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, friends. They will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. <laughs> it's interesting that uh, Jesus forewarns us as a disciple, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to live for me, this is the life. Get ready. But at the end, he says, not a hair will be lost. And it's like, man, does God really care about every single hair on my head? Did, did he really plan all this? Like, you know, okay, cool. I'm not bald. Thank you, Lord. But, but if I was, you know, like, is this is his design for me? Like, you know, <laughs> uh, he says, you're going to be martyred. You're going to be killed, butchered. But, not, but trust me, if I... If I don't want that hair to fall out, it's not going to fall out. I'm in control. He goes, you think you're going to stand, you think you're going to go to prisons and all that just for, just, just because, no. You're going to do that so you can stand before kings and governors and, 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 and preach the truth. You think you're going to just die and that's, no. There's a purpose behind your death. There's something that goes off when, when you die as a Christian for Jesus. And we have testimonies of so many different, we have we were talking, I think, with Daniel the other day. We got Nikki Cruz, who was going to murder David Wilkerson. And David Wilkerson said, perfect, do it. Every single one of my, because you're going to chop up my body, try to de- disguise the murder. Every single one of my pieces is going to be preaching to you the gospel for the rest of your life. And that is what turned him. He was like, man, I live for hate. I hate, I hate, I hate. And this guy is invincible. I can't kill him. And that's what broke him. We have, we have a story of uh, the uh, cannibals that, that uh, the dads were flying a plane in the Amazon, and they were trying to make friends with the cannibals. Uh, the family, Jim, Jim Elliot, right. And these guys, the cannibals kill. And then when a generation comes, and Jim, Jim Elliot comes to the same tribe that killed his dad and listens to what they tell him. They say, hey, when we killed your parents we saw something that we've never seen before in our whole lives. We've killed many people. When we killed your dad, we got to see the heavens open up. We got to see them rise. And that, that 
is what brought us to repentance. That is what opened our eyes. Right? Uh, there's a story about the last gladiator who ended the gladiator fights, right? Or I think I already shared that story, so I'm not going to get into it. But <laughs> uh, he, 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 he self-sacrificed himself. He knelt down and said, they were debating on to, to, to kill him. And he came out and he said, if you guys, that's what all you guys are about is about death. Kill me. And they, they, they killed him and that was the end of the gladiators for eternity, I guess. Or there's no more gladiator fights. But it's one person. It took one person to stop a massacre. It takes one person to start a revival in China, right? The first Christians that went to China, they're all martyred. You want to be, you want to be uh, one of those? I actually do. I, I guess you know what? I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to take care of my family anymore. I don't have to do any of that. Honestly, I'm like, God sent me. Not that I don't love my family. Not that I don't want to be a part of, of life. But that's a greater calling. That's more benefit in that. Uh, faster I die, the better. Pastor, preach that, okay? I'm not making that up. But honestly, when I came to church, that was... Well, I realized, man, I, I gave up on hope. I gave up on life. I gave up on everything. And I, wanted, I, I thought, hey, I'd come to church. I'd listen, go to Saudi Arabia, go preach the gospel one time, be done. That's, that was it. And God's like, no, 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 no. We have so much work to be done. <laughs> I don't want you in heaven yet. You're not ready. <laughs> you stay a while. You know, you've you got some processes to go through. And uh, that's what's on my heart, is just to, to remind you that you're a garden, and God is, God is tending you. In your failures, God is tending you. He's saying, hey, get back up. He's saying, hey, my grace is sufficient. Hate the sin. Hate the place you're in. Strive to, to, to follow me. Strive to get up. Strive, repent. Come clean. Get help. You know, uh, uh, any sin can become an addiction. Any sin. And when it becomes an addiction, it's no longer just a moral problem. It becomes a brain problem. It becomes a trap. It becomes a noose. And the more you try to fight it just with your own strength, the tighter the noose gets. The best thing you can do is what the Word of God says is to come forward. Come, come tell an elder. Come tell the pastor. Come tell a leader, look, this is how my life really is. I, I need help. As Christians, we're all going through that process. As Christians, we all need to do that. We all need to, 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 to follow God in humility. Humility is the key of success. You know, people who win the million, million dollars, people who win the lottery, 95% of them self-destruct because they don't have the character. To, they don't have a purpose for it. There's no purpose. Humility, there's purpose in your life. You're, you're being guarded. You're being tended. You're being prepared to do something amazing. The one thing that I got from the conference was uh, George was saying, in this room there's people more anointed than we can ever imagine. But they, they need to go through that process where nobody sees, nobody knows, right? That quiet process that David went through, that quiet process of, of being tended, of being, being uh, trimmed, of being uh, broken, of being uh, rebuilt by God. And I just want to encourage you to, to stay, your, stay your ground. Keep going. Keep going for God. Some of you need to rededicate your, your heart to, to read the Bible plan. Some of you need to rededicate uh, your morning devotion time. Some of you need to come clean with something that is haunting you and you th keep thinking you're going to beat it and, and it's, it's, it's not, 
you need help. Some of us need to, some of us need to be more active in, in, our, in our garden that we have, in our schools, in our, in our workplaces. Some of us need to get that zeal back. Now, where does that zeal come from? It comes from knowing God, knowing God's grace, being connected to Him. That zeal to, to do the impossible. And that's what tonight's about. Tonight's, we're just going to pray and we're going to ask God to speak to us. We're going to ask God to minister to us. Uh, the song we ended worship on was awesome. If we could, uh, if maybe just Noah comes up and if you have, if you will have it in your heart to, to, to just sing that as we pray, maybe finish it off. But uh, let's rise.